And we'll welcome everybody. It's great to have the folks out back and uh, online with us. I want to begin by just asking you to think about maybe a step of faith that you've taken. Think about a step or a number of steps of faith that you've taken over your lives. Maybe um, had to do with choosing to go to college or what college or choosing a trade. Maybe it had to do with a relationship. Maybe whether you should get married or who should you get married to. Um, steps of faith. Think about maybe a career change or, you know, some kind of move. Maybe it was locally or, or maybe it was something beyond that. Different steps of faith. Maybe it was a financial investment that you made or maybe it was regarding children. Should you have them? How many should you have? Should you perhaps foster? Should you adopt? There are lots and lots of steps of faith. Should you get involved in a ministry? Should you go on a mission trip? All these things are uh, just different examples of steps of faith that we take. I've taken these steps. Many of you have taken these steps as well. And what I want us to focus on this morning is the fact that um, we need to take many small steps of faith if we're going to um, really experience and that is required for us to take those big steps of faith. So there are lots of little steps of faith that are required before we take that big step of faith, if you will. So begin thinking, what are the little steps of faith I take on a daily basis? So we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, and if you want to follow along in the church Bible, it's page 209, and it, we're going to see these steps of faith that the Israelites and Joshua have taken along the way and see how we might be able to relate to them as well. So we're going to be in uh, verse 1. So here we go. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. So it's early in the morning, and Joshua and the Israelites are setting sail, if you will. They're, they're taking a trip. They're, they're starting this journey from the town that they're living in to the eastern shore of the Jordan. So um, again, I love pictures and maps. So here, here's the map just to show you where they are. So they're here um, is Shittim. That's where they were. That's where they were camped out. Here is where they're going, right there on the eastern shore of the Jordan River. All right, so that's, that's the setting. Now, I want to show you a picture. It's a modern-day picture of where they would have crossed or where we believe that the Israelites were going to cross from what we know is this is um, modern-day Jordan on one side, and then you have Israel on the other. Is this the only picture we have up there? Um, we went to a similar place um, where this was some of us that are here this morning just a few years ago. We went um, just down the, the stream, if you will, down the river from there. And um, it's not only believed to be the place where the Israelites crossed, but it's also believed to be the same place that John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And so we were there, and we reaffirmed our baptismal vows in and, and the water, and uh, it looked fairly tranquil like that. But here's the thing. As the Israelites are going to cross the Jordan, it's, it's not going to be tranquil. It's not going to be calm. 
Because verse 15 tells us that it's during the spring. It's during when the floods are happening. And when we were at this site where we were doing the baptisms, um, the last time I was there, I, I looked on the wall. And up on this wall, like 15 or 20 feet high was a mark and a date. And it was a, a recent date, and I don't re- remember it, but it showed how high the waters had risen when it was at flood stage. So a very different picture than this. It wasn't calm when they were coming across. Um, I got a different video that might give you a different feel. So this is more, this is the Jordan when it's flowing more at flood stage. Remind you maybe of the James River, right? And this would be a little daunting to just cross. So imagine the contrast between the two. Now, pick up at verse 2 with me. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Do not go near it. So 2,000 cubits, how, how great a distance is that? Well, it's about 10 football fields. 10 football fields, so quite a dif- distance. It's a little over half a mile. Now, why would they say to stay back from the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it was so the people could all see it. Remember, there's over 2 million Israelites And the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And so the presence of God was going to lead them into the promised land. So the Ark of the Covenant needed to be in view of all these people because they were going someplace they had not gone before. Now, I have a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. And this is what it looks like. It was this golden chest covered in gold. And notice, see the rings on the side and you see the... The, the rods going through that, that was so that the, the priests could carry it without ever touching it. They could carry it without ever touching it. Because here's one of the bizarre truths about it, that if you were to touch it, you would die. Because we aren't worthy, we're not holy. We can't just touch God's presence. We couldn't just come into God's presence. And anybody that did would die. And so, They installed these poles. Now, inside, Hebrews tells us what was inside. Hebrews chapter 9 says, The golden pot that had manna. So you remember how God was providing bread from heaven on a daily basis? So they had a golden pot with some of that in there. Then um, it says Aaron's rod that budded. So remember Aaron, the priest, Moses' brother, and then the tablets of the covenant that we know as the Ten Commandments. So all those things are in this chest or this Ark of the Covenant. And it represented God's presence. And God's presence was to go before the Israelites and they would follow his presence at a distance. That takes us to verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. What does it mean? What does it look like to consecrate ourselves? Well, to consecrate something or someone is to set them apart, to set them apart for God. And so if we are consecrating ourselves to God, we're setting aside, we're taking off, we're putting off sort of this sinful earthly nature, if you will, some of these earthly ways, and then we are putting on, we are setting ourselves apart 
for God's purposes. For God's purposes. We want to do whatever his will would be. And so we need to consecrate ourselves. We need to set ourselves apart for him and set ourselves apart from the things of this world. And that's what he's calling them to do. Because what here's one of the neat things. Joshua recognized that this battle that they were going to fight when they're going to go to um, Jericho, it wasn't going to be so much of a physical battle, but a spiritual battle. It was going to be a spiritual battle that they were undertaking. So it was really important that they had consecrated themselves, that they were focused on following the Lord. And it's going to be, um, in the weeks to come, if you're not familiar with the story, it is, it's an amazing way that God takes Jericho. Now, verse 6. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. This is where we're seeing these steps of faith. Maybe small steps of faith, but the priests, they have the Ark of the Covenant, and they're taking those steps of faith. They're following God's guidance, and the people are watching, and soon they'll be following. It said, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses, so that they'll know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. So God is specifically encouraging Joshua and the people, this is my leader. This is my chosen man. This is the man that I have consecrated, that I have set apart to lead you. Just like I was with Moses, I'm with Joshua as well. And that should give you peace, and you should be strong and courageous as a result of that. Now, verse 8 says, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Go and stand in the river. To just read that right here without the full context, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal, right? If you're thinking of the nice tranquil little pool or creek coming down, not a big deal. But remember, verse 15 tells us that it was at flood stage, a whole different matter. Then verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth, of all the earth, will go into the Jordan ahead of you. So God's presence is going to go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and that's what they did. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, again, emphasizing God is God of all, God is God of all, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So this is the promise of God. And he's saying, follow me, and we're going to go right in to the middle of the river. And he's promising to deliver once again their enemy, the occupants of this holy land, this promised land of God, to them. They're going to have victory over all of them. But they need to follow the presence of the Lord. They need to trust in his guidance. And he says, I'm going to go into the river with the priests before you. And then the river's going to be, be stopped up. It reminds me, remember 40 years earlier, there was a similar occurrence. 
the Israelites had just left Egypt and they're making their way to the Holy Land. And then Pharaoh changes his mind and he sends his army after them because he wants to annihilate them. And they think they're doomed because what stands before them? The Red Sea. And they have no way to go around it or through it. But what did God do? He instructed Moses to part it, to part the Red Sea. And he told him to take his staff And sure enough, when he lowered the staff, the waters parted. And what did the Israelites do? They crossed on dry land, and they were rescued. And we know what happened to the Egyptian army. Once they tried to follow suit, gone. Now, look at the similarity here. Forty years have passed, so they have that in their memory, right? They've seen these steps of faith of those who have come before them. They saw God's provision, his miraculous provision, and now he's calling them to cross the Jordan. And he's going to do a similar thing, right? He's going to hold back the waters. Slightly different, though, because this time, some of them are going to have to take a step of faith. They're going to have to actually get their feet wet. The first time, nobody got their feet wet. This time, the priests have to step in. They have to step in. And again, remember, it's not like a lazy river at your water park that they're stepping into. I mean, it's like the upper gully, you know, when they're letting out the dam in, in, in the fall. You know, I mean, it is, it's rapids coming. That's a bigger step of faith. How can they make that big step of faith? It's because they've been making little steps of faith on a daily basis. And so they have the confidence to take that step. And that's what we're going to see happen here. Um, reminds me of uh, Smith Mountain Lake. So we'll see, see this and how, how this is all going to play out. Verses 14 and 15, it says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So again, they're taking those initial steps of faith. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. That's what we've been talking about all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. So let's stop there. Again, it says their feet touched the water's edge. It wasn't until they took that step of faith that the waters parted. They had to step in. They had to step in. So um, again, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. It was completely cut off. Now let me show you on the map again where we're talking about. Because this is, this is, again, this is where they're crossing. And up here is Adam. So all the way up here, it's as if God built a dam. That's about 20 miles away, so 20 miles north of where they were, all the way, and then it kept it dry, all the way down to the Dead Sea. There's the Dead Sea. That's about five miles south. Again, I get this image of Smith Mountain Lake. Some of you guys have been around long enough. You remember when there was no Smith Mountain Lake, right? And what did they do? They dammed it up, and what happened up north? It all got flooded, Right? You can still, if you dive deep enough, you'll still see the remains of cars and maybe some houses and things of that nature. It was all flooded. And then downstream, it was dry for a period of time until they released some of the dam. 
That's what's happening here. As the Israelites are about to cross the Jordan, God has dammed the water up in Adam, and now it's dry. Verse 16b, it says, So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. They stopped in the middle, and they're standing on dry ground. While the, all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. It's miraculous, right? There is no explanation for it. But notice the faith. So incredible faith on those priests that took that initial step, right? But how about the faith of, of all the Israelites? There's over 2 million, and they're taking one step of faith after another. And they may look small and insignificant, but they've all got to get from one side to the other. And they're trusting that God's going to hold back those waters because what happens when a dam breaks? It wipes out everything in its path. I mean, once that happens, once God releases the water, that's what's going to happen. And so just average, ordinary people like you and me are taking these steps of faith, rather small steps, but big as well. You know, many steps of faith especially many small steps of faith are required before we take that big step of faith. You need to learn to take those little steps of faith before you take these big steps of faith. It wasn't like one day the Israelites just found themselves encamped on the eastern shore of the Jordan. It was a process. It was a faithful process. Remember, they had to get up and pack up and follow the priests and the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, from where they were, they were encamped in Shittim, and they had to make the trek over to the eastern shore of Jordan. Many small steps of faith. We see um, just as um, Moses had led them, they had to take many small steps of faith. When Moses was leading them out of slavery in Egypt and taking them to the Promised Land, They took those small steps of faith until they reached the Red Sea. And then they took another. And God did a miraculous thing. And they were able to cross on dry land. They took more steps of faith as they made their way to Mount Sinai. And it was there that God gave them, them, through Moses, the Ten Commandments. They they took other steps of faith, daily small steps of faith, because they had to go out every day and gather up the bread from heaven. God had promised it, but they had to, in faith, trust that he was going to provide. It was daily small steps of faith that led them to victory over Sion and Og. Again, they learned to trust in the presence of God, to trust his promises through daily small steps of faith. And then in some monumental moments, they saw these big steps of faith as God moved in miraculous ways. This is what I think we need to apply to our own lives. Because sometimes we'll, we'll look at people who, in our minds, have taken these, these big steps of faith, and we fail to recognize that it, the reason that they were able to take those big steps of faith was because they took small, daily steps of faith along the way. I think of, of Sutton and Kayla. 
And, and I think of my own son, Alan, and my daughter-in-law, Sarah, and how these young couples just packed up everything, which, to be honest, was nothing, because you couldn't take it with you as you go to Africa for two years. And, and you go to be missionaries. And I would think that most of us look at them and, and think, wow, that's a big step of faith. Most of us are probably thinking, wow, that's crazy. Like, I would never do that, right? And yet we see them do these great and mighty things in, in our eyes. Well, sometimes we fail to recognize that they were taking lots of little steps of faith along the way that led them to that. On a daily basis, they would get up and they would focus their eyes on the presence of God and they would spend time in God's word. And they would spend time talking to him in prayer. And so they developed this intimacy. They would, on a day-to-day basis, take steps of faith, learning to trust God, to allow him to guide them in the average, ordinary ways of life. They learned to make this a rhythm of their life. They were involved in their churches. They served their community. It was a part of who they were and what they did through daily steps of faith that then led to what most of us would say was a big step of faith, right? But I think they would agree. They would say it was just the next step of faith. It was just the next step of faith. And because they have made so many small daily steps of faith, it didn't require incredible faith to make a move like that. It was just the next step. Because they knew they could trust in God's presence. They knew he would continue to guide them, and he would always provide for them. And we don't need to move to Africa to experience that on a daily basis. That's how we should be living our lives as well. And that's what we can glean and learn from the Israelites. Notice four things. So I think this is um, a pattern that they experience, but that we can experience as well. Four things. Notice first, they set their eyes on God's presence. They set their eyes on God's presence. Secondly, they followed his guidance. They followed his guidance. Third, they consecrated themselves for his purpose. They consecrated themselves for his purpose. And then finally, they experienced the promise of his provision. They experienced the promise of his provision. Think about how it played out in this situation. They got up and they focused on God's presence, on the Ark of the Covenant, right? They were going to follow that ark. Then they followed his guidance. And when the ark moved, they moved. When the ark stopped, they stopped. And when they were stopped, what did they do? They consecrated themselves to the Lord. They got rid of the, the earthly ways. They put on the godly ways. Finally, Because of this faithfulness, these small steps of faith, they experience God's miraculous provision as he once again parted the water and they were going to cross on dry land. Those are 
steps that I think we can apply to our own lives. I, I would encourage us, we begin that way by focusing on God's presence. When we get up, we spend time in God's presence through his word, because we have the gift of his word unlike they had back then. We all have a copy of it. If you don't have a copy of it, take one with you. But we have a copy of God's word. We can spend time in his presence. And then we can talk to him freely. And he'll talk back if you'll listen. And so we've got that. We need to begin by focusing on his presence. Then we need to be obedient to his guidance. Again, we are better off than them. He, if you are a follower of his, we've been talking about this time and time again. He's placed his spirit within you. He will guide and direct you. All you have to do is listen and obey. Trust and obey. And then um, we consecrate ourselves for his purpose. So we, we just lay aside kind of the earthly ways and we put on the godly ways. It's really what we talk about here, what it means to be a disciple. We, we begin to, to just learn to be followers of Jesus, to to live like him and, and to love like him and to lead like him. I think that's what it means, to, really a picture of what it looks like to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and for his purposes. And then finally, when we do that, I believe that we will experience, we will experience his promises and we'll even see his provision perhaps in miraculous ways. I know it's been true in my life. I know Sutton and Kayla can share stories about that. And Alan and Sarah can share stories about that. And to some of us, it looks like they've taken some big steps of faith. But really, they're just daily, small steps of faith that lead to big steps of faith, at least in our eyes, that in essence are really just the next step. And, and I know that to be true in my life, and I hope you know it to be true in yours. You know, sometimes people look at some of those, quote-unquote, big steps of faith we've taken, whether it's like leaving the business world and going to work for the church, or it's, it's leaving, you know, one great church on the other side of town and moving out um, to this part of, of the valley to start Orchard Hills. Or, or maybe it's, it's taking in some children and then adopting some children um, when ours are pretty much grown. And, and folks will, will look at those things and they'll say, wow, those are some incredibly big steps of faith that you've taken. And, and we would say, you know what, they were just the next steps. They were just the next steps. They weren't big steps because we were just taking these daily small steps of faith. That just happened to be the next step, right? And so let me ask you, what are those daily steps of faith that you're taking? Are you taking them? Do you begin your day by focusing on the presence of God? Are, are you listening to his voice and trusting his spirit to guide you, to guide you? Are you consecrating yourself on a daily basis, setting aside the things of this world, putting on the things of God? That's what it means to be a disciple. And have, have you seen him show up in some miraculous ways? I bet you, if you really take some time to look at how God's moved in your life, I bet you, you have some miraculous stories to share. And you may have discounted them, but you shouldn't. God's still in the miracle-working business. We've experienced that. We've had some miraculous financial provision. We have seen God miraculously heal a child of ours. 
so many other things that I think sometimes we just dismiss. Little steps of faith lead to those big steps of faith, which really, in essence, they're just the next steps of faith. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you're a faithful God. We can trust you, and you call us to be faithful people as well, just to, to take one step at a time and to follow you and not worry about the future. That's why you told us, don't worry about tomorrow. Gosh, it, it has enough worries of its own, and you don't even know if you have tomorrow. So just trust me today. Lord, whatever that next step would be, um, just show us and, and help us to have the courage to be strong and courageous and just take that next step. Help us not to worry, again, about what big steps you may call us to. I know I used to fear that one day you'd call me to move to Africa. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for not, at least so far. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you that we can trust you no matter what, that even if you did something crazy like that, we would be just fine. And they wouldn't be these huge monumental steps that we've made them out to be. They would just be the next step. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.